guys? Welcome back to another episode of the English Happy Hour Podcast. In today's show, we go back through iCast, talk about some of the coolest new products that are hitting the market. Uh, we go into Nick's new pontoon boat, some crazy weather that we've had here in Arizona, and we talk about fishing high flooded muddy conditions in the summertime. So hope you guys enjoy the show and appreciate you guys tuning in. But before we go any further, I want to tell you guys that this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Hercules Tires, the official tire of the Angler's Happy Hour podcast. I've personally trusted the Hercules TerraTrack AT2 and Power ST2 to get my truck and boat trailer to every event around the country safely for the past two years. These tires are long-lasting, quiet on the road, and most importantly, incredibly reliable. If you're in the market for a new set of truck or trailer tires, head over to HerculesTires.com and see why these tires are such an incredible value. You can also find out more by following Hercules Tires on Facebook or Instagram at Hercules Tires. All right. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Angler's Happy Hour podcast on our new regular day, Tuesday. Uh, Sunday apparently is a very busy day for podcasters to release, so we're going to start playing around with uh, releasing on Tuesdays, Um, so something new to get used to, but hope you all had a great week. Hopefully, you got some fishing in. If you live in the Southwest, you've had a very wet weekend. It's been unbelievable, and we'll talk about that a little bit more, but we've had a a very rare weather event here in the Phoenix area. Um, Are you staying dry, Rob? What are you up to, man? Yeah, staying dry. We had... uh... Had a fishing trip planned on Saturday morning, and since I don't have to go, <laughs> we didn't go. Um, one, I've got new carpet in the boat. I just don't want to get it wet. And two, uh, my buddy's uh, boat is brand new, and we didn't want to drag it through the, the rain. So I know that's pathetic. Wow. Probably would never have been that way in the past, but it is what it is. Um, Softer than but, a Kleenex is what you are. Yes. Yes, definitely. So, um but did a little mountain biking. I swear, dude, yesterday I waited till the rain stopped and went on a ride. I wish I had a road in the rain. It was so swampy after. Was it? Like, <laughs> oh my God. Too. It's not that. I mean, it was. It no, was not, not hot. hot. I told my buddy, I said, I'd rather it be a hundred <clears throat> degrees in low humidity versus mm. what we rode in. It was gnarly. You just, it's like swimming. So, but not complaining. It's cool to have uh, a lot of moisture in the valley uh, or in Arizona. Overall, I mean, I think we're getting about five or six years worth of monsoon in the last few weeks, which is awesome. So it has been a special summer as far as that goes. That's great because last year we had like none. So what's great, dude? Like it can be dry for. I mean, it's been really dry here for a couple years, and um, like literally two weeks after it started raining all the desert is as green as it gets it's amazing no how, qu- how quick it greens up and gets going so pretty cool dude and all this stuff that's like going on now in the desert my <clears throat> son had a little birthday party on saturday and we went to this family's house and they live on a little bit of land down in queen creek they're over in queen creek and uh, the amount of toads that hatched I didn't realize that they had larva or whatever that just sits there waiting dormantly. Dude, there was like hundreds of little baby toads or frogs just hopping around everywhere. It's pretty cool. Yeah, people from the Midwest or from the Southeast are probably just shaking their heads at us, but it's an event, dude, when we get water here. Dude, come see. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Come, come live the dryness and then yeah. everyone celebrates seven <clears throat> rain. 
rain. And that this was not seven drops of rain. Well, and if you look at the flooding, like it is a big deal because like, uh, you know, when it rains and, and uh, everyone gets flooding, right? But when it rains just a couple inches here, it's amazing the uh, chaos that it can create. And, and just looking at a lot of the flooding around the valley, the ground is so hard out here. It oftentimes doesn't soak up that rain when it comes in really hard. So there's been flooding everywhere unfortunately and it's really sad but it's actually swept a couple people away people that are trying to you know someone will try to drive through a wash or something like that and um their car gets stuck they try to get out of the car they get swept away just someone's in a creek bed and they get swept away it's really scary and sad um our listeners know better than to do that but i mean not everyone not everyone knows man so there's already been a couple people that that have had issues well and that's sad you know, it, it just is one of those things when you sit in the dry safety of your garage at 530 in the morning, you'd say, oh, I'm never going to do something like that. But even <laughs> sure. for me on, on Saturday, I uh, the rain was coming down so much, I figured it was time to start building an arc because I thought this might be the one that takes us all away. So as I was frantically building my arc, I got on Facebook Marketplace and found a an affordably priced pontoon boat. So I decided that that would make more sense than building an ark. So we struck a deal electronically and I loaded up all my kids in my one-ton Dodge Ram and drove to go buy a more modern version of Noah's Ark for this flood. And as I was going there, it's in kind of like, a, you guys know where East Mark is, that new part of Mesa, just north of you, Josh? Sure. So there's a lot of really nice, cool, like County Island acreage back there. And that's where these people happen to live where I bought the boat from and uh, driving out there, man, same exact thing. All of a sudden this, this, this road, it's on mountain road is normally just a regular asphalt road cutting through the desert. Well, there was three and a half feet of standing water on it. Three and, and a half feet, bro. And there was a pretty good current kicking through it. And I looked at my dad and I was like, we're not doing this, dude. They call it the stupid motorist law for a reason. I feel pretty stupid right now. But like any good father would, loaded up with all of his grandchildren in a big, strong truck, said, you got this. And so three and a half feet's an exaggeration, but it was up over, it was almost up over the tires. And uh, the first one was like a standing pond, no problem. The second, you know, because the road just kind of has some natural whoop-de-doos in it. So everyone at the bottom of a whoop-de-doo had plenty of water. We made it through okay. But when we left, the water continued to rise. And I sent you guys a video of the, the drainage ditch in front of their house. That's five and a half feet of water moving. I don't know how many cubic feet per second, but people are tubing in it. It is hauling the mail. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those things where you look at it and you're like, ah, I'll be fine. And I was like, if I end up on the news, hopefully... Um, I don't know, hopefully I get a good mug shot or something out of it, but yeah, it was, it was a lot of water. And then, you know, it's just, and that's just a regular street. That wasn't really even anywhere where there's a, a dry Creek bed, you know, I'm, can you imagine how hard those dry Creek beds are running? Cool. The weird part is when you drove around the barricades to go through that water. Well, I thought the barricades <laughs> were just, you know, to, to test how really bad you wanted it. Right. Rob? Right. You know, nice. how much do you want it? Could you feel the, the pressure of the water current in your truck, dude? I couldn't, you know, and that if I would have been in, you know, a lesser vehicle like your Toyota Tacoma, I would have never thought to do it. A but, lesser uh, vehicle. 
I'm just kidding. <laughs> like uh, rational redneck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, men of my caliber drive manly trucks and exactly. uh, we buy used pontoon boats in manly trucks. And so wasn't even a, it was an afterthought at that point. Hey, the jo- Johnny Morris arc, not Noah's arc. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I, dude, I, I love the pontoon boat idea. I think it's great. I, I think pontoon boats are awesome, honestly, especially for families. I mean, they're as far as like a watercraft goes, man, I mean, they're not, they can't do everything, but they're they're affordable they're reliable uh they're comfortable dude talk about this thing so it's the reason why i should not have access to facebook marketplace because i just you know it's just a it's terrible addiction but it came you know you if you watch stuff every day you'll see like every day there's a deal out there and this just happened to fly across the radar so it's pretty new it's a one owner boat it's lived outside which is kind of a womp womp because the upholstery is a little toasty, but you know, my kids are going to spill ice cream and wipe boogers on it. So it's not like it's going to need to be anything too pristine, but you know, it's a 20 footer. It's got a sweet little Merc four stroke 60 horse on it. So with all of our gear and people and everything, it'll probably go like seven miles an hour, but you know, that's, that's as fast as I should probably be driving anyways with my abilities, but it should be fun, man. We were joking in the last podcast, how cartoonishly high prices are on everything so once you see something that is priced like 2019 or 2018 in 2021 you have to <laughs> you just can't ignore it you know what I'm saying you're like i remember when things used to cost this much like i remember sure. those days so it should be a lot of fun and it's 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 funny to see like you know we're all buddies who like the water and fishing so we can see it for what it is but a pontoon boat doesn't have the same swag in the eyes of a non, you know, like outdoor recreational person. It kind of just looks like, you know, why, why would you buy that? So it's so funny to see my friends' reactions who don't do that. And like my good buddy who they're, they're just a little fancier than I am. They're kind of like pinkies up. They didn't, they didn't understand. I don't think they approved. They, they smiled and nodded, but you could see the look on their face of like, this guy literally is like, either inbred or something something went terribly wrong he got dropped on his head a few times like no we can't figure this guy out but there once once they live the barge life though and i'm, I'm not one to speak because it's not like i have one or spend a ton of time on pontoons but like dude they go out one time they would love it right you know it's like you get you get kids cannonballing off the side you get a nice big straw cowboy hat and you get the yeti ice down with some silver bullets and good things are bound to happen what are your intentions? Where are you going to take it? So that is a good question. Cause then I, you know, my diabolical stupid mind starts thinking of El Majestico bringing out El Majestico from storage. And, you know, you oh get boy. that old used 28 foot motor home. That's only overheated 73 times since I've owned it. And you put that thing behind it, man, it really opens up some possibilities, but I, I envision days at the Roosevelt Lake campground with that thing and just, uh sunburns and smiles that's awesome I, dude i'll tell you what that thing sitting still for a year has probably been really good for it too that uh, uh the, that El majestico yeah yeah they like probably. that yeah just. <laughs> <laughs> they like that <laughs> I, I, dude, just, I think it's awesome yeah thanks i just drove it man i actually just uh revived el majestico i hadn't touched it in a long time and i was tired of paying storage rent on it so i finally moved it and uh man the key barely even touched run on the ignition switch and she purred to life and 
one of the tires had like negative seven pounds of air pressure in it. So I limped it to a gas station and filled her up. And within two or three miles, the tunes were bumping. And I was thinking about just driving past my house and going on to my new life, living in a motorhome. But I went home in it. So I didn't. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. I can't wait to go on it. Is it a, a party barge, the pontoon, or is it a fishing barge, dude? Oh, come on. It's me, man. Of course it's a party barge. It's a party I, barge. I can't fish to save my life, so I went for a party barge. But, dude, the fishing barges are amazing. If it was a fishing barge, I would have maybe even paid more. But, the dude, if you could get one of those with, like, how – okay, so 20 foot. It's a decent size boat. How big – like, could I get by with a 24-volt – you know, modern trolling motor with spot lock on that thing. Sure. Like, could it hold it in the wind? Ab- absolutely, man. Yeah. 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 Those things are light. And uh, yeah, it's not like you're, you know, you're going to be running a current for, for 12 hours a day with that thing. Right. I think a, a 80 pound thrust would be just fine. I just, I don't think you can put an Ultrax or a spot lock trolling motor on that and not have one on the nitro. I just have a problem. <laughs> Good point. Oh, the, the poor, <laughs> the, poor ni- the poor nitro is, you're over here like, I won't take my boat out because the carpet's going to get wet. Oh, man, my poor boat just endured 73 inches of rain over the last three days. There's no boat cover, huh? It got toasted in the last one when I was in Mexico. Sadly, that boat cover gave up the ghost and it's on order, but uh, it's not here yet. So, Gotcha. When I sell that boat, it won't be to anyone that listens to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so don't tell any of your friends if you see it for sale just be like oh great boat yep know the history on that one it's they're designed to get wet that's what they do yeah yeah exactly what's up with you josh you back home obviously i see your wife's car in the garage behind you yeah i'm I'm home uh spent eight lovely days in orlando and um spent the weekend back here in phoenix enjoyed the rain and uh, actually today we are headed up for just a couple days to northern arizona to hang out got a little uh, airbnb for uh, my family and uh, we're just gonna chill out in the in the pine trees for a couple days so we don't really have a lot of plans up there we're just you know we were when we booked it we weren't expecting a cool weekend back here so we were thinking we were going to be escaping 110 degree heat uh, but it'll still it's going to get warm here over the next couple of days so i'm glad we're going up there um don't really have like i said a lot of plants to fish or anything with all this rain we've been getting we're probably not going to get we were thinking about maybe going swimming in a creek or two but i don't think that's going to happen then but uh maybe we'll go fish one of those white mountain lakes or something like that um we're actually going to pine Mm -hmm. so uh just a little bit west of payson Have, have either of you guys ever been there driven through there many times um actually we stayed in a cabin there uh, some friends had a cabin up there, but it's beautiful. It's not a lot of lakes in that area. In that area, there's a couple creeks, um, but cool little town. You know, you'll enjoy go get ice cream and that type of stuff. Yeah, so, yeah, that's what but, we're thinking. And what a great time of year, man! Like, like you go up there in June and it's just kind of dry and it's still warm up in the mountains a little bit. But once these monsoons hit, man, it'll probably rain every afternoon and just. Uh, you mix a little moisture in with the high elevation and it's just phenomenal. So it'll be fun just hanging out drinking coffee on the, on the porch. Yeah. That's what we're thinking. Did you guys find a cool place to stay? Yeah. You know, we just rented a, rented a a house off, you know, hopefully it it, it looks good. So um, yeah, hopefully it's good, man. It'll be a good little scouting trip. It's probably a little bit bigger than what we needed as a family, but next time we go up there and also it's, it's a weekday, right? So we didn't even, we're like, ah, it's not worth inviting anyone up. No one's going to be able to go on a Monday through Wednesday, right? But if it's good, 
um, it'd be a fun place to go bring, bring a couple of families and hang out. So, uh, it's, yeah. it's kind of, kind of a little bit of a scouting trip too, to see, uh, see how we, you know, how we like it up there. But, um, yeah, and that's, that's kind of the plan. I'll get back on Wednesday and then uh, Saturday jet back out to Champlain to go fish again. So I'm ready for that. My boat is, uh, dude, I'm trying like, like there's no neglect going on. I'm trying to keep it dry, but I'm a little bit nervous about my boat right now. It's sitting in upstate New York. It's been out there for like a month. And I talked about how desperately I was trying to keep it dry. Right. I went to Lowe's and, uh, Gerald Spore left his rig as well at the same place. So we went to Lowe's and bought these buckets of this, this uh, moisture wicking stuff. I don't know what it is. They're, they're like these, these like uh, chalky type pellets. I can't remember uh, what they're called, oh, okay. but they're like these buckets that supposedly wick up all the moisture in the air. And I got like five of these buckets, one in each compartment and then one in the center of the boat. I'm just praying it's dry, dude. I, I saw Cody Meyer had just got back up to his rig and he posted his rods reels were all moldy and stuff. So, uh, uh, yeah, it was a good chance. Boat Bling, here's a quick uh, sponsor plug, but Boat Bling's got this product called Green Sauce and it's literally like a mold and mildew uh, treatment and remover. Uh, so he's, he's got, it's his opportunity to bust that stuff out. It's his first time he's encountered mold since we've had this product. I'm hoping I don't have to use mine next week, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm dreading seeing my boat. Go ahead, Nick. I just say, all I can think of when you say bubbling green sauce, I feel like we're talking about burritos on the way to Roosevelt. So I didn't know there was another type of green <laughs> sauce besides that. So that's post burritos. <laughs> but- <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Uh, I, it's been too long for me. I was thinking about taking the long way uh, on the way home, depending on how the kids are doing it, to hit some burger house on the way back. But man, I, I'm jonesing to get some of that. That way you can, you, if you do take the long way, you can check out the, what Tonto Creek is doing and yeah. see what Roosevelt looks like. Cause like we had talked about before, I mean, monsoons generally don't add a whole lot of water to our lakes, but this one is a little more significant, I think. So. Yeah. So, so let's talk about that. I had that written down a little bit later, but so typically we talk, we, you know, when we record in the wintertime, we're constantly talking about dirty water, rising water, you know, spring, early spring rains, how to fish it. It's rare to see this in the summertime, whether it's here in Arizona or anywhere else, like typically that water on anybody, uh, any lake is going to be, or river is going to be super stable through the summer. And it is here too. Like a monsoon out West will hit real quick and go away real quick. This thing wasn't, I, I guess technically it was a monsoon cause it's monsoon season, but this was sustained rain for three straight days. So the flows were a lot more steady and are a lot more steady than they, they ever are in a monsoon. And I, I actually think it's, it's not going to bring our lakes up 20 feet, but I think you're going to see a two or three or four foot rise in the lake just by looking at how crazy those flows are. And it's bringing muddy water in. Um, can you guys remember ever seeing that in the summertime? I mean, we've seen it on maybe Canyon and Saguaro, some of these smaller lakes down here, you get those little flash floods and it'll, it'll dump some, some, it'll create dirty water in areas of the lake. Um, in that situation, I would just run away from it just because yeah. it's, uh, yep. I'm not afraid of dirty water, but I'm afraid of dirty water that's happens in a flash flood. Right. Totally. So, um, 
you know, as it settles a few days later, but as it settles, it clears up just because it's not significant enough. But Roosevelt, uh, being a bigger lake and more water just coming into it through the main arteries, the main flows being the Tonneau, Tonneau Creek and the Salt River. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think it'd take a few days to chill out and I think you could probably catch them up pretty shallow in some of that dirty water or... <clears throat> A lot of times the Tonneau Creek has a tendency to run clearer um, after it's ran for a while and those fish may get uber shallow like way up in that clearer water so um, I, I don't know I mean I, I haven't really experienced it a whole lot here I know you know maybe some of the southeastern guys experience the flooding or the dirtier water in the summer um, but I don't know I, I necessarily wouldn't be afraid of warm dirty water i'm definitely afraid of cold dirty water when it sure. comes to fishing, yeah they might so. they might turn a little quicker and actually like like i like your point of of running away from it at first but you know maybe just two days into it you know what i mean there might be some opportunity to go sling a frog around or or yep. uh, a vibrating jig or spinnerbait and, and and really whack them it's dude i don't know like i think it I'm, it does happen i mean we're it's happening here and we're talking about it it does happen but i can't remember being back east in the summertime and experiencing that like i'm sure it happens but like it's yeah. just you get high water i guess like i guess the ozarks i've, I've heard some some stories about like table rock and uh, bull shoals being super high midsummer a couple times. And, and um, I know it does happen, but it's just rare, man. It's just rare. So I think, I think those fish would, would regroup a little bit quicker and start biting in that dirty water um, faster than they would in the winter time for sure. Just, it's, you know, they got to eat dude. Their metal, the water's still hot. So it's funny. We're talking about this because the area where Boyd and I caught those topwater fish at Saguaro I don't know, a week or whatever that was. Um, <laughs> it's literally like directly across the lake is a spot where it absolutely dumps in. Like it's a big old drain that comes in. I guarantee that area is completely blown out. Blown out trash. <laughs> yeah. When you talked about the small Lakeside Canyon, I don't remember how many years ago it's been now. It always feels like everything was two years ago. It's probably been 10. But we had some <clears throat> summer rain. Do you remember seeing those waterfalls sure. off of yeah. the ledges oh, every of Canyon? It's phenomenal. It happens quite often there. But a couple of years ago, we had all those fires. And then that's a, that's a thing, you know, in, in the West here, we have these big old wildfires. And then when that happens, all the ash and all the burnt logs and all, I mean, it, it'll just trash a lake. Like and the chemicals they use to suppress yeah. the fire. That's, yeah. That was a thought I had too. So going off on Roosevelt though, so it's summertime, a pretty large percentage of the fish are offshore right? Like this is a time of year where they're yep. doing stuff like that. One thought I had too, is that it's like, well, if you're fishing, you know, offshore stuff, but up towards the salt end or even the Tonto end, that's an interesting thought too, right? Do you think it ever gets enough to where it, it moves them back up to the bank just because there's new opportunities or moves them shallower? I mean, it, it starts to open Pandora's box of what ifs and whys and where's, right? That's in, a, in, go ahead, Ralph. In my experience on, on, in Arizona specifically, and I don't know if it's elsewhere, but when the monsoons hit, it kind of messes up the deep bite, makes it less consistent, makes the fish. Um, oh yeah, they have options, fish, right? Well, yeah, they had, it just it just changes things. Like it forces them to feed at certain times, man. So if you're not yeah. fishing at the right time, right? I mean, that's a big thing. 
Yeah, take like like early June, mid June. These fish are in twenty foot of water on a point. All of them are sucked to the bottom, and they're so catchable and so grouped up and and so predictable. And then all of a sudden, you're in late July, August, definitely in September. It's still warm here. You still think it's like summertime, but man, there's a ton of fish moving to the bank. There's fish that are ultra deep. There's fish that are suspended. It, um, I mean, I always explain on guide trips, like the best, when you're going to have your best bite is when you're chasing the fish, when 90% of the fish in the lake are doing what you're doing. They're in the area. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Um, when, when 90% of the fish are out deep, and you're fishing out deep, that's when you're going to do your best. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and again, shallow. When they're in transition and in between and here and there, I mean, you're going to, you could still have a good day, but it's, it's, you're fishing for less fish at that point. So yeah. I don't know if I got my point across, but that's, um, does that make sense to you guys? Definitely, man. Definitely. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. So we'll see. That's a good question. And, uh, we'll just have to see what the lakes do. You know, we'll have to see if that, how, how far that muddy water goes. And, you know, it's, it's hard to imagine a fish swimming from an offshore hump all the way up to the bank. But dude, I mean, if it, if it did, if the whole lake got muddy, then I don't know, dude, I mean, it's not going to live out right? there deep for, for weeks, but you know, we'll see. It's no matter what, you know, if you're on fish, right. If you're on fish and you're, you're, you're dragging a jig or cranking, somewhere on the main lake and catching them at 20 feet, you kind of, tr- that's where you start the next time you yep. go out. And Definitely. then if you don't get bit, you go from there, man. But uh, maybe they bite, maybe they don't, maybe, maybe they slide up from 20 up to 10. You know what I mean? To the next feature. Um, maybe it's not a drastic change, but we'll see. We'll definitely see what those fish do. It'll be really interesting. I wish I was spending yeah. more time at Roosevelt right now because the fishing's just been on fire. And Dude, um, I haven't been probably, around to experience it. You guys probably talked about that. It was when I was in Mexico or maybe Wyoming, but uh, there was a three fish bag for like 27 pounds at Roosevelt this summer. Sean did you guys talk it. about that? It was Sean, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Did you guys talk about that? I believe we did. I think so. Hopefully we at least gave so Sean a shout out. He's been Dude, on a podcast on, before. On what De- planet decent. does... Yeah, I mean, for him, it's all right, but three nines is a good start. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah. holy effing S-bomb, right? Like, that's yeah. crazy. He said he's chucking back seven pounders, dude. <laughs> I'm going to book him for a guide trip. I used to like Rob, but I think the new no, Rob I'd is better definitely than Definitely go Rob. with Sean. Definitely. <laughs> that's solid. Yeah. Take me to your spot, Sean. Well, I mean, I paid you 350 bucks, so I need all your A-water. Exactly. <laughs> well that's cool we'll see what happens we'll definitely see what happens um a couple other things i wanted to talk about we're going to get into a, an icast recap we're going to go through some of the products that won awards um hopefully we'll do it a little bit differently i'm i'm, I'm sure a lot of people are icasted out i don't know if that's a <laughs> word but uh there's a lot of look at this look at this look at this but but now that the award's been given out and stuff we'll kind of go through some of the awards and talk about some of those products but um I did want to, we had Rick Emmett on the podcast talking about college fishing recently, I think two weeks ago and Bass Pro Shops just ranked the uh, colleges for fishing going into 21, 22. So I just wanted to run through it and uh, we'll see where his team stands and where a couple other teams stand. So um, 
Well, and we we have uh, the top twenty-five here. Well, what do we have here? I thought we had the top twenty-five. I've got the top five, so we'll just go through the top five anyway. <laughs> Let's just go to the cream of the cream. Exactly. 20, so six through twenty-five. Who cares? <laughs> and and we'll see where they're all from. But the first, number one uh, ranking school is the University of Montevallo, Montevallo, Alabama. Um, not a surprise. I've heard a lot about this school, and actually, we've got a a buddy um, that, that fishes here at this school, um, Tommy Sendex. So they he's from Arizona. He actually uh, had gone to I think U of A for a little while, and he just transferred over here. So they. Uh, They've obviously got quite the quite the school here. Second would be Adrian College in Adrian, Missouri. Okay. Third is Carson Newman University, Jefferson City, Tennessee. Okay. Here's an interesting one: McKendry University in Lebanon, Illinois. Oh. And then Auburn. I think everyone knows about Auburn, Auburn, Alabama. This is where Jordan and Matt had fished. Um, Say, no one, no one's ever came from there. That's kind of a sleeper. They send someone. To, they send a successful tour angler out just about every single year. And then, so Rick School Drury actually had been eighth, uh, ranked eighth. So that's, I mean, that's phenomenal, man. Especially for a school that was not on the map three years ago. But yeah, Auburn's an interesting one. They have what eighty team members or something like that, and not no head coach. So think about how how well that program's run by the by the anglers themselves. So pretty cool. Seriously. They've got some responsible kids uh, yeah. running the show over there. Don't they, man? How about Samson out in California? I know Jimmy Reese's son goes there and uh, Taj White from the Phoenix area goes there. Yeah. Uh, and those guys, I mean, think about that school the, for, for a Western deal. I mean, they're fishing Clear Lake and the Delta. And, I mean, all the cool bodies of water out West. So that's cool. got to be the number one Western school to be. If you're going to fish college out West, that's got to be the top, right? Yeah. yeah, definitely. I don't know if they're ranked or not, but I definitely hear a lot about that. We got to get one of these Arizona schools on the map. Yeah. Well, definitely. you know, Mitch Kistner 25 years ago had ASU running like a Swiss watch. So yeah. maybe they need to bring him back. Yeah. He needs to, uh, what's the, uh, what's the show dude? Um, gosh, it's, it's going to, uh, he needs to be the godfather of, of one of these college bass fishing. <laughs> That's right. Well, they, they bring they in him back. Bring in the big guns, right? We're tired of being ranked 114th. Call in Mitch. Yep. Yep. Um, all right. Well, that's cool. Uh, another uh, another thing um, before we get into the ICAST, I thought this was cool. Was uh, I don't know. Rob's more of a baseball guy. Do you know who Brandon Belt is from the San Francisco yes. Giants? Yep. So apparently he's a fisherman, like recently got into bass fishing and he's hosting a tournament at Sam Rayburn this fall with a hundred thousand dollar prize for first place team tournament. So that's pretty cool. It's cool to see a baseball yeah. player jump in and uh, Rayburn is the type of place that can definitely, I think there's a $700 entry fee and um, a max of 400 teams and there will be 400 teams like, <laughs> it, it will fill up but uh, oh, pretty yeah. awesome it's just cool to see a team tournament with a with a hundred thousand dollar first place prize it's not a million dollars like the bass pro tourney that's going to be coming up but uh as a team angler you're licking your chops if you can fish for a hundred grand that's awesome uh, it's a funny story about him he uh my buddy les his mom lives in central phoenix area and during spring training brandon belt rented the house right next door him and a couple other teammates and 
she had no idea who they were, you know, and just was talking to him like, and Les is like, mom, do you know who that is? <laughs> so pretty funny. This Did nice she, boy next door, Brandon. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did she like serve him lemonade? She like came Probably. around, you, you little boys, you look thirsty. Yeah. But he said he was super cool. Super nice guy. So definitely if he's a bass fisherman, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so what professional sport attracts the most or, or has the most outdoorsmen and fishermen? Would it be baseball or hockey? You think? Oh, that's a good question. That's, I mean, they're both, I think they're both very outdoorsy, but yeah, I would say out of all the major sports, those are definitely the two where you see it most, right? Like every team's got a, got a handful of dudes that love the outdoors. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think they either golf or, or hunt and fish, you know, or, I mean, I'm sure some of the guys do all of it, but you know, it's, uh, that's what they like to do. I remember, uh, sorry to cut you off, buddy. Seeing, uh, Brian Erlacher was always a, a big fisherman. And I remember watching him mic'd up one time, like a million years ago. And, uh, he would like rip this running back's head off. He'd like punish him in the hole and then help him up and be like, Hey, it was against the dolphins. He's like, I'm going to Florida this summer with my boat, man. Like, make sure you're ready to go. I'm going <laughs> to, no and he like way. rips his, Oh yeah. He like ripped his helmet off and he's like talking trash. And he's like, Hey, we're going to go fishing still this summer though. Right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he's probably trying to get on that a water too he knows what's up you just got to hit the right people josh did you <laughs> did you see our buddy uh josh Hader caught that good fish off the shore and bob, i did bob euchre was in the background Unbel- i was wondering if that was bob euchre dude yeah. unbelievable isn't that awesome that it looked like him but i couldn't tell dude that i'm pretty hilarious. sure it was i'm assuming it was it definitely it sure looked, looked like, like bob euchre dude yeah he was like so so bob euchre dude he was he was the play-by-play for Milwaukee, literally, like really was, right, for a long time. But he was also an actor and comedian. Like, what what was yeah. his deal, dude? I, I know very little. Uh, yeah, you know more than I do about it, but it's just – it's funny how I recognized him behind there. So. <laughs> Hilarious. That was a toad that Josh Bobby caught, too. So, it was. Yeah. And I bet, man, like I was going to make a joke that the NBA probably has the most fishermen because it seems like that's probably like the sport least likely to have anyone that likes to fish. There's a but, lot of them that do, though, I think. Dude, that's true. And I was like, you know, after Milwaukee donkey stomped us in the finals, I don't even want to talk about that. My heart's still hurting from that one. But I bet you, man, once you're an athlete and you live in like a, a, a you know, not it's not like L.A. or New York. Dude, you know those guys are looking for something to do. I bet a ton of them become interested in that when you play and live in a place like milwaukee or trying to think of another smaller fishing market well probably like the denver nuggets right or the salt lake you know the jazz i i bet you those guys end up becoming interested in it how could you not hey uh, this is going back to baseball but hater was saying that so they're in milwaukee the brewers and Uh uh he said like uh like eight of the guys from the team go fishing every morning Cause they play yeah. every evening. Right. So like they'd get up every morning and they'd have like two or three boats on this lake and they'd jump in the boats, fish for three hours and then go to the, go to the ballpark at like two o'clock, man. Yeah. yeah especially get, Go ahead, Rob. They got it pretty good. Cause they can just say they're baseball players and people just, yeah. they'll, they'll take them fishing. They'll give whatever, you know, Dude, so that, I that got, a water. Yeah. I got a, <laughs> I got a buddy of mine. That's a, uh, uh, minor league manager in Florida and he calls me, he's like, man, some of my, some of my players are fishing and I kind of want to try it. This is a mountain bike buddy of mine. And, um, 
<laughs> I said, just go to the local Bass Pro, Pro Shops and tell them you're with the, uh, I can't even, the New York Mets. And yeah. you'll get dialed in. He's like, yeah, that's what the play. <laughs> yeah, dude, probably But so. he goes, he goes that's, what, that's what my players told me to do, too. Isn't that funny? Just yeah. use it. May as well, yeah. Yep, yep. That's uh, hilarious. Dude, my, we're way rambling. We'll switch back to something relevant. But minor league baseball teams usually have the best names ever. I remember my oh, yeah. sister lived in Colorado Springs for a long time. And now I can't remember what the name of the minor league team there was, but they lived pretty close to their stadium. And it literally was like the fighting artichokes or something. Like it was that Beautiful. outrageous. Because, you know, Scottsdale Community College is the artichokes. But yeah. like, seriously, like it was something. Could you imagine like putting a hat on with like an angry artichoke on it and being like taking that seriously? Like tonight, the angry artichokes are squaring off against the. That one takes the cake. Jordan last night, Jordan Lee was at a, a Trash Pandas game, dude. That's a, uh, <laughs> trash that's a minor league team. <laughs> I had heard I had actually had a rider in my boat last week that was telling me about the trash pandas out of Huntsville. He said that they have That's the, a great uh, name. They've got the best, like, dude. So, so they started the team during COVID. Like, they were about to start the team, then COVID hit or something like that. And he said their first year apparel sales were the best of any minor league team, but they had never even played a game yet. Now they're ro- rocking and rolling. I got to look that up. That's where it's at, though. Like, I think that there's so much genius there. Like, obviously it's competitive and you're raising talent and like there's legitimacy there, but then at the same time, like you're always not the majors, right? So you're going to be in that shadow. So you might as well embrace it and have fun. You might as well be the trash pandas or the anytime I start freestyling silly names, I get inappropriate. So I'm not going to do that, but you could have a lot of fun with that. Like you could, you could figure something out that uh, trash pandas is the top though. That's pretty good. I like it. I like it. I hope, uh, the fighting artichokes were real. That would be so awesome, dude. <laughs> it was something stupid, but it was, it makes you want to buy season tickets. If nothing else, you could just like update your status and be like crowd season ticket holder here of the trash pandas. <laughs> Heck yeah. Well, dude, that's cool, man. Let's, let's roll it back over to, um, iCast and we'll just run through the giveaway. I can't remember if it's 27 or 30 awards and, ICAST is an interesting event because uh, it's different from all other expos. Typically, it's like a, a pretty serious expo. Didn't happen last year with COVID. It's in Orlando every year. And, and folks that go are, they're either companies that have a product. They are retailers like tackle shops and, 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 and fishing websites and stuff that want to come see the products, maybe even place orders for the year, and then media. So those are your, you're pretty much in the industry if you're there. And then all the dorky tournament fishermen like me that are walking around with their jerseys on. Um, and, and really, honestly, it's to work. Like it's, I think a lot of people think you're going to ICAST to get sponsors, but I mean, typically like, you know, you're going, you're, you're going there to work for your sponsors. And, um, you know, sometimes if, 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 you're presented with opportunities when you're there where you maybe meet someone and it leads to leads to something down the road. But, you know, like for me this year, I was there to work. I was there to work for uh, Berkeley, Abu Garcia and Garmin. And uh, I went in there, worked and left. And, and that's kind of how it went. But um, it's, it's an interesting show because you're, you're showing all of your new stuff, like, like everything that you've been working on for the past year. This is where you release it. The world sees it at ICAST. And then it's available to purchase in, in September. It doesn't really matter who, who you are. If you're a bigger company, that's kind of 
the uh, the process. And then sometimes also you'll you'll see some releases around March in the spring, but like a huge bulk of the stuff as as companies are developing products, they're trying to have it ready to be seen in July and then have it shipped and in, in stores by September. Uh, so like anything that you saw that looked really good at ICAST, you're probably going to be able to get it, hopefully, with all the issues everyone's had with fulfilling orders and build and making product, but hopefully this September or October. Um, and out of the, the awards, like awards don't necessarily mean that they're going to be the best fish catching products or the best selling products. It, a lot of times it, it is a good sign that they're going to be successful, but um, more than anything, like just talking to the, cause there were a lot of awards in the pure fishing booth and they said more than anything, it just makes it, it it's a awesome piece of recognition. Like they worked so hard all year long to develop this stuff and for it to recognize like that uh, means a lot to the company. So um, dude, they won nine out of the 27 awards in that, in a bunch of different categories. So it was, it was pretty cool to see. They were pumped up. I was there um, in the booth when they had, it was the second afternoon when they had announced the best in show overall. And I'm skipping ahead, but that Gilly had won that and the booth got so crazy. I literally just posted up in front of that where the Gilly was at and just started knocking video after video after video after video. I mean, literally did 30 Gilly videos in the last two hours of the show because everyone wanted to see it. So it goes to show it was a, was a big deal. Have you fished that thing yet? I have. Um, nice. And we'll actually, I'm sorry. Dude, I'm sorry. I, I have not. Um, let's uh, let's start with that. So that one, it was the Gilly. Mike Iconelli designed it. Um, it's like a soft bluegill imitation by Berkeley. Uh, they make it in three sizes, 12 different colors. And it's one of those baits that you can rig a lot of different ways. Um, pretty much weedless with an extra wide gap hook is like the probably going to be the best all around way to fish it. Um, I swam it in the tank a bunch at ICAST, and that's where I say I have. That's where I got to see it in the water. It's got a beautiful swimming action. It's got really cool colors. It's not, the colors aren't like poured in, they're actually painted on. So it looks super lifelike, super realistic. Uh, and that's actually the first time a bait has ever won best of show, like the best product of the show, which is mind blowing to me that a bait never won it. But I guess it's normally like a bigger ticket item, like a revolutionary new reel or electronics or a cool kayak or something. So it was the first time a bait ever won it. But have you guys seen any of the videos of it swimming in the water? I have not yet. I need to look into it. I've just seen the bait. The bait looks super cool. So. I've got a whole box, of, like a, a whole box of them here, but um, I haven't had the chance to, we've been smallmouth fishing, so I haven't had the chance to use it, but it'll be a fun bait. Like it's one of those baits that, um, to me, anytime you're fishing with a bluegill imitator, you're catching bigger than average bass, right? Like if you've got a bass that is actively trying to eat a bluegill, it's probably a better than average size fish. So it's going to be a big fish bait. Um, I think it's going to be awesome around the spawn, right? Anytime you get those bluegill up shallow, there'll be windows to throw it in the fall, but it's going to be a fun bait from March through May. It's going to be a killer. Do you see any other application for it or many other applications for it? To be honest, I need to see what it does before I even, I mean, I'm, I'm anxious to see what it does. So I, I, I'll be honest, like I've never been that excited about like bluegill imitation type baits because it's so hard to do that. But 
if this thing swims right, I think it's going to be phenomenal. You That's know? it. Like, well, yeah, it's a, it's going to be a situational bait for sure because you don't just go sling around a bluegill swim bait all year long. Like the bluegill have to be around, the bass have to be looking for bluegill. Um, it's a swim bait, right? So the water's got to be somewhat clear. You can put it on a vibrating jig and it looked really good. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's a cool bait and it's a, it's going to be a fun bait. I would definitely recommend checking some out when you, when you have the opportunity guys listening. Is that um, thing, is it max in is it, or what is it's it? It's just power bait. Power so, bait. Um, okay. yeah, that's always a plus, right? Any, anytime yeah. you've got sent in something, it's a plus. So it is power bait. Yep. Okay. So hold on, don't jump off that yet. I was just being polite not to interrupt Rob for the 91 millionth time of Thanks. this episode. Um, it, well, for one, it was funny. I could Nelly on his Instagram was like releasing videos every day leading up to it and different ways to rig it. And hands down, the best way to rig, how big is it? Like four inches or something? Yeah, I think like, well, they make like a three, a four, and a five. Yeah. So I think he took like the middle one and he put it on a Ned rig. And that looked like it was going to be hands down the best way to catch him because he just had just enough hook to snag like the tooth on the upper. It was funny. It was totally like a, a trolling post. But then the comments afterwards were amazing. People were lighting him up for saying how stupid it was. But he is I wasn't... the master of trolling, isn't he, dude? It, it was so That's good. funny you saw that. It was so good. But you said like, you know, throwing it weedless, you would rig it so it's obviously running vertical right yeah and would you run it with a weighted swim bait hook with like a twist lock or what like what how would you throw that because that when i looked at it i was like that thing looks tight but i'm not a thousand percent confident that i would have that rigged good right question out of i'll tell package. you what's crazy dude is you rig it with a weightless hook okay and it flips on its side when you swim it so it actually will like it's flat like a pancake and you rig yeah. it flat right where the hook's underneath it okay. and then when you make your cast and start reeling it goes it up sideways over. and starts swimming, dude. It's the weirdest even with thing the hook off seen. to the side. Yes, See, yeah, because wow. that's what was, that's what was confusing me when he said, "Like that just doesn't make any sense." Like I'm not smart enough to know, but like, it's crazy, it doesn't look dude. right. That's okay. why it's so unique. And if you throw a weighted hook, it's going to stay flat and swim weird like that, right? So yeah. you want to uh, throw it with a weightless hook. Now, if you were fishing it on a bed, like it's going to be a really good bed bait, uh, trying to get big females to bite. So like. You would just Texas rig it probably in that case with a bullet weight up in front of it. But uh, yeah, you guys go online and check out the videos um, because it's really weird, man. Like it, 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 it's got, it's got some weird obtrusions on, on it to where, you know, to make it do what it does. And then it's actually got um, like, it's got um, the back half of it it's got like distinct scales. And as it's swimming, you could see the scales like, like just it's 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 a real gnarly looking bait man when it comes it looks beautiful out of the water but when you see the videos of it in the water it looks even better it's pretty crazy cool yeah it's gonna uh, be so good to get a, it that thing will get outlawed like a alabama rig <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't see that happening dude and like i said it's not like you're gonna see everyone winning a tournament on this thing right off the bat but it's just gonna, it's a cool fun bait I would, uh, I would definitely check some out. I think I'd put five of them on an Alabama rig. That's how you'd know you were really going to hurt them. There you go. That's <laughs> how you know you're legit anyways, for sure, <laughs> if you can get five. Throwing, throwing that five gilly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so best electronics. Um, Garmin came out with a live scope three years ago. Lawrence came out with their version last year and now Humminbird has their version. So um, it was really kind of uh, 
the big introduction, like as far as electronics goes, dude, there weren't a whole lot of new things this year, right? Like people are still, still getting dialed in on the crazy advancements we've had over the last few years. So Humminbird for their mega live, they got, uh, best electronic, which, uh, you know, props to them. That's great. It was just, you know, it was, it was the mainly the only big new thing that came out at ICAST. Um, Garmin won best ice fishing product with their ice fishing bundle. Uh, so, you know, I'm going to shout out Garmin, but it is, dude, imagine ice fishing with live scope. You drill your hole, you stick the pole with live scope in and you pan around and say, Oh, looks like you need to drill a hole 70 feet over there. And you go yeah. drill your hole 70 feet over there. <laughs> And you're on the fish and you're not <laughs> stay on them. Right. So <laughs> incredible for ice fishing. We don't do it in, in Arizona, but like it's that, that bundle right there. I don't know if you guys can see it, but it comes in a Ooh. little bag and you've got the, the unit, the box and the a little um, battery, a battery and whatever, a little pole to stick in the water. And it all comes in a little bag and you can go out there and just destroy the fish. Dude, the those poor fish, they're like, finally, like we have some cover here. There's 18 inches of ice up there. And then they just, that unloads on them. How long till non-boaters are hauling the ice fishing bundle around <laughs> on the back of someone's boat? Dude, how smart would that be? That's brilliant, Rob. How smart would that be? They walk down to the ramp in the morning with like a little hand cart, like a truck, a hand truck with like a battery, <laughs> two batteries, because they got two of them, one on each side. And they're like wheeling it down. <laughs> That's funny. You got two tackle bags now, buddy. Yeah. Hilarious. Um, best freshwater rod went to Abu Garcia for the Xenon. Um, phenomenal rod. Really cool. I, uh, I've been drop shotting with one all winter long testing it. Um, Rob and I had gone out and done a video with Ryan this winter. And I, I uh, was fishing it on a uh, football jig and I, and, and Rob picked up. He's like, dang, dude, this is, this thing's pretty sweet. You remember the rod? Yeah. Super light, super sensitive. It's um, yeah. Made my rod look like a pool cue. So. Oh, it's <laughs> 10 year old rod to a new rod, right? Things yep, just advancing yep. and uh, like yep. the, the, how they're able to get it so light is uh is this resin they put in the rod, you know, like, uh, they, it's called, they call it power Lux resin. And, um, I'm not a, a engineer in this, so I'm not going to go too deep, but, um, the more that they're able to put in the rod, the less other stuff needs to be in the rod and, and they can just make them lighter and lighter and in turn makes them more sensitive and, and still very strong that, yeah. that resin going into the rod, they're, they're so strong. I've yet to break one. So what's yeah. the price point on that guy? Um, that rod itself is going to be between three and $400. Okay, so it's, it's a high end rod. It's, high end. it's okay. definitely a high end rod. Um, I know a lot of our listeners are into that stuff, but yeah, like it's, I've been drop shotting with, with their rod for like drop shot and stuff like that. It's way worth the money. Yeah. Um, with a name like Xenon, it has to be expensive. That just sounds elite. It does. Can you imagine a dude like uh, fishing a fishing a pond, uh, <laughs> somewhere? Yes. Yeah, Caught it on the Xenon. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'd be like, <laughs> what? <laughs> Sounds no, like the holy grail of, deal, dude. Yeah, holy grail of fishing rods. You got three uh, Xenons and a ghillie. Exactly. Best freshwater reel went to the uh, Daiwa Zillion. Um, I haven't used that one. I can't speak too much to that. Uh, best rod and reel combo, again, to Abu for the Veritas. So, uh, that Veritas PLX, super light for $100, um, comes basically with a Zeta reel, a white Zeta reel. So um, 
uh, it's hard to see, but that, that got best combo, best freshwater hard lure, um, Strike King chick magnet, just a flat-sided oh, crankbait. Flat-sided crankbaits, man, have really like five years ago, how much did you hear about flat-sided crankbaits? And now it's like the thing, man. The Fritz side really did a lot, a lot of that, but it's like it's they're so so popular right now. Dude, chick magnet is another incredible name. I hope Ab, name. will you will you pull some strings with Mr. Abu and get me in there to start naming baits? I think that's what my calling is in life. That will can you, you imagine call Rob? in a favor? That would be great. I'd What's up it. with the flat sided crankbait? Is it because it has a different like? Is it a tighter wobble or like? What's up with? Why is that such a beloved thing? That's probably beaten to death, but I don't know. Yeah, well, and yeah, we'll go into it real quick. It, it, it is. It's a tighter wobble, and I think just our fisheries are so much more pressured now. You know, a silent crankbait that's got a different feel and vibration to it, more subtle, is just better, right? Uh, most of the time, you know you can still catch a fish on a standard square bill with a big old no noisy rattle in it. But sometimes that can be a lot for this fish and just something it's, subtle coming through the water is, is, is more effective nowadays. Can those, are those deep and shallow cranks or is that mostly just like a square bill? Competitor? Typically that's a shallow deal. You'll see some meet middle, uh, medium diving flat sided crankbaits, but typically they're going to be shallow. Yep. Good question, man. Hey, Nick, think, uh, speaking of, Naming baits, the king of naming baits is Andre Moore, okay. no doubt, with uh, Reaction Innovations. Yep. Oh, can't, yeah. Can't argue with that. <laughs> Dude, he does. He does. And he takes it to the level where, like, oh, oh, oh. they almost have to put a parental advisory on it. But For it's, sure. what it, it's what it needs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's the king. Uh, a couple other ones that uh, are standing at. I'm scrolling through this. Um, Well, got just some clothes. Um, best kids combo. These guys. Uh, Sebco 33 with an ugly stick. It's actually a Nerf. It's a Nerf rod and reel from Proficiency. That's kind of funny, dude. Um, best cutlery, hand pliers, and tools. It's amazing they have a, a category for that. <laughs> but that goes to Bubba Blade. That's funny they go there's this ridiculous silly knife company that they like used to door-to-door -door sale all the time and like probably like the 80s or something and when i first got into real estate uh the guy who was kind of my mentor that was his closing gift was like cutco if you bought a home with him you get a cutco knife and i remember being like i guess it's like a housewarming present that like here you go you have like a knife to cut your steak with but i remember thinking to us i was like Dude, if I bought a house with you and you gave me a knife, I'd probably use it to stab you. Like, get out of here with your <laughs> fancy cutlery. That's ridiculous. But That's funny. apparently I cast still has love for it. Did you ever give gifts to your clients when they would buy houses? Yeah, man. I usually brought like a cake and someone would jump out of it and we'd do like a nice. party limo. And, you know, we, we wanted to make an event out of it. No way, man. Working with me is the gift. That's all you get. Yeah, <laughs> My presence is a present. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, let's see here. Josh, how about the power pole? Like it didn't happen, did it? The trolling motor. Oh, it's, it's, you know, apparently it's still common, man. You know what I right. mean? I, yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting because everyone else rushed to market or not didn't rush. I'm sorry, but like everyone started talking about it two years ago. Right. And they all came out and, uh, 
Lodergad had a new one, Lorance had a new one, and Garmin had the new one, the Force, which I've been using. Yep. Um, and then everyone was talking about the power pull trolling motor at that same time, and it's still not here. So I guess props to them for not bringing it too early, you know what I mean, before um, before it was ready. But, um, yeah, I think everyone's been waiting to see it. But um, I don't know, dude. You're just, just going to have to get the Garmin, man, when you're ready. Yep. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Other than that, there's a lot of non-bass fishing stuff. The salt, best saltwater lure went to a saltwater uh, Berkeley for saltwater chopo, um, some apparel stuff like that, some random accessories. But overall, it was uh, it was a pretty chill eye cast. There, go ahead, Nick. Who won best sweatshirt? Did Angler's Happy Hour pull that one down this year? Uh, unfortunately, not, man. Because ah. we completely have dropped the ball and stopped bringing you guys new apparel. And, Dude, uh, we sold seven sweatshirts. How does that not rocket us to the top of the iCast best sweatshirt category? I'm really, I know. I, you know what? That just proves that it's all rigged. That's it. I'm not supporting them anymore. It's all, it's just political. <laughs> and just, it's all politics. Everyone's out to get us, dude. That's jacked up. But hey, thanks to anyone who, everyone who did buy a sweatshirt. Those, you guys those, seven, tried. those seven customers, we appreciate you. We see you. <laughs> Eventually, we'll get some more stuff brought uh, back out. But that's a good question. We did get ripped off in the apparel department, man. I'm, I'm going to write them a long, scathing email. Yeah, next year, we need to, we need to pay like the 10 grand and get a booth. So that way we can justify our seven sweatshirts. Oh, we could pose so well though. Our booth would be so legit. That'd be the deal. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see if next year is bigger. And actually, I'll, I'll tell you what, guys, it was about half the size of the previous iCast shows. It was interesting. Really? A lot of manufacturers still chose not to come. A lot of them come from overseas, right? So like, um, I think COVID in certain places like Japan is is obviously a lot a lot more intense than it is in others. And, uh, you know, like some of those bigger companies from Japan and stuff didn't go, but like, typically that's a huge expo center they have it in. And like half of it was completely empty and they had the show condensed into 50% of the area. And the logistics of traveling international right now are logistical. When we came back from Mexico, it was, you know, we're just a, a small struggling family of five trying to do our thing. And we had pain. I can't imagine. What were some of the differences? So you just like, for one, you had to have a COVID test within the last, I think it was 48 hours. I want to say 24 hours, but maybe it's 48 hours. And so we, uh, it, it was funny. We went to salute Digna, which I thought was maybe like the Mexico version of Dignity Health, which is like a big healthcare provider in Arizona. I think they're everywhere. It was not the Mexican version of that. It was, <laughs> it was like the opposite of that, which there was a really... <laughs> There was a really sweet Rolls Royce limo parked in the parking garage where we parked because it was in downtown. Someone had like paper mache a Rolls Royce Phantom front end on a Crown Victoria and it looked like oh my, my, my five-year-old did it. So I totally took a picture next to that. But anyways, we went in, we stood in line for like two and a half hours to get these COVID tests. Have you guys ever had the test where they go up your nose? No, like that, I know that's that, how they were doing it in the beginning. <laughs> or still, I mean, still are apparently. They had that feather past my eyeball and they were still like swirling it around. It's the most, if you ever want to have fun, stick something that far up your nose and see what happens. Like my uh, two-year-old's reaction was classic. I was going to say, I bet he loved it. He did. It, it, but you know what? He cried less than the five-year-old did. So I think he needs to be sent to boot camp or something. But we went through all that, you know, you stand in line, all those logistics. I bet that's one of the reasons why the attendance is down. Because even though things are quote unquote open back up, there is so much you know, so many steps and logistics to work through that. It, uh, 
ICAST 2022 will probably be a different story than 2021. Hopefully, uh, hopefully things go in the right direction again. But yeah, that is crazy, man. I I can't imagine just just standing in line with with dude. three kids like that for two and a half hours in itself is just it sounds like a nightmare. Did you stand in line with people who are coughing and who are sick? Because like you yeah. know what I'm saying. So yeah. then, oh, I just ah, I'm. Off air, I'll make a comment that we've just figured out why we had two and a half weeks of sickness after that, dude. Because we literally stood outside in the sun next to a bunch of sick people trying to get a test to prove that we weren't sick. That's the irony there, man. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. This is what happens when Incredible. chimpanzees are allowed to run the, the world. Mm. Yeah, so, well. We'll leave that there. We'll put a pin in it. Yep. Um, anything else you guys have before uh, we wrap this one up? I know, Nick, you got to do a school drop off here. Yeah, my, my true calling in life is piloting a minivan full of small humans into the huge drop-off line. But I don't know, man. Just uh, hopefully one of us gets to go fishing. Rob or uh, Josh, when do you go to Champlain? I'm, I'm rolling on Saturday, so I'll be fishing uh, Sunday or Monday. I think official practice starts Tuesday, actually. But uh, okay. I'll be back there and maybe get it down the water to make sure everything's still good to go on the boat. Uh, Rob, are you going to fish this week at all? Yeah, I plan on it. I just uh not sure when and where. Awesome. Well, take me. Okay. Teach you how to do it. There you go. All right, guys. Well, uh, thanks again for tuning in, and uh, we will chat with you all next week.